0: And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: The epistle reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter five. Then I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne a scroll And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Please stand now as we sing together the Alleluia in verse. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because it was of the great quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the full net of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them, And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. I tell you, it's so wonderful to hear those alleluias sounding forth again the joy and the praise of God who has saved us. So grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from the second reading, that from Revelation chapter 5. So what a sight, right, as we open up the book of Revelation to chapter 5. It's an unusual book, Revelation is. And it shows a grand event full of strange creatures and odd people. And all of it revolving around a lamb. A lamb that looks like he is slain comes on the scene, takes a scroll, and everybody freaks out in a good way. Because this slain lamb was worthy to do it. And that's it. Sermon done, right? That's all you need. Well, as you know, if you study the book of Revelation, you always know that there's more to it than that. Because Revelation is a rather symbolic type of book. It's not meant to be read literally like a newspaper, but rather Revelation is meant to be read in multiple descriptions of Jesus and his church, both in the world now and in judgment on the last day. So whenever you're reading the words of Revelation, you always have to go back to the life and words of Jesus, the Old Testament scriptures, and to the life of the church. So let us this morning consider that lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The slain lamb lives, and in his hand is the fate of the world. And we understand this lamb to be Jesus. He is, as John the Baptist called him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that he alone is worthy of honor. That also means when we say that Jesus is worthy of honor, it means that we are not worthy of honor. We are not because only Jesus is. Even in that picture of heaven, The elders, the odd creatures, none of them, even the archangels are not good enough, worthy enough to open up the scroll. Only Jesus, who has lived a praiseworthy life, he is the one who has no need to move on from past actions. He is the one who has no secrets to keep. For Jesus lived perfectly under God's law, having that blessed kind of life that knows no shame and no regret. And I must say that you and I, we have plenty of those, don't we? Shame, regret. You see, we have not lived that perfect life. I have not. The world has not. And so only the Lamb of God has done what was needed for that kind of worthiness. But you know, when we hear about our unworthiness, it's not something we really enjoy hearing. Because if you're not worthy, what does that say about all your accomplishments, right? What does that say about the things you did in life that you're most proud of? Don't those account for anything? What about the times that you were selfless and giving? The times that you went out of your way to help another person? And what about those times, too, that you stood up for a good and noble cause instead of being silent? And what about all those times you gave helpful advice that pointed somebody in the right direction? I mean, doesn't that make you worthy? Scripture would tell us no that alone does not make you worthy. Works do not make a person worthy. And that's a problem because all people are sinful by nature as we confess in our confession of sin. And that we are by nature children of wrath just like the rest of the human race. You see, all people are tainted in their inmost being by sin. We consider our own lives. Aren't we sometimes selfish? Sometimes lustful, sometimes disobedient to the authorities? Unjustly angry at times? Bitter in heart? Covetousness lingers in our lives. We are sometimes neglectful of God's word and prayer. And we self-idolize ourselves. I mean, there are many types of sin, aren't there? Types of sin that we know about and some sins that we we do without even realizing that they're sinful. And there is something for every one of us in those traps of sin, right? Because if you are any of this, then your wickedness also spills over into your words and your actions and contaminates them. Even your good works are contaminated. Even if a sinner was to do something great and noble in the eyes of the world, like maybe curing cancer or giving millions of dollars away in scholarships, it would not make that person worthy before God. That's because of our own unworthiness as a sinner, that our works are unworthy. Because you're contaminated with sin, even in your nature, even the good works that you try to do from that nature are likewise contaminated. Because by nature and your action, you cannot make yourself worthy before God. Okay. That was tough, wasn't it? To hear the truth of that word. Of our unworthiness before God. And that works do not make a person worthy but it's actually turned around the other way. The person makes the works worthy. If someone is righteous and pure and just, spiritually clean, wholesome and good, that person's works will be the same. The person's worthiness makes his works or her works worthy, even if it's something simple and mundane. Like swatting a fly or buying groceries. You see, your works flow out of a pure source, just like pure spring water comes from a pure source. So you can see that where a person is good and pure, there their works are too. And there that points us right back to that lamb, doesn't it? That Jesus alone is worthy. As true God and true man, Jesus is clean and good and pure by nature. From birth, Jesus alone is innocent and clean. Likewise, Jesus alone lived the life worthy of God under the Ten Commandments. He alone is righteous. And therefore, because Jesus alone is worthy, he alone is the perfect sacrifice for sinners. He is the Lamb who was slain on the cross to save sinners like you and me. He laid down his perfect life, and Jesus pays the price for all our sins and for the sins of all sinners. Yet just as the Lamb in our text is living, so is our Lord Jesus. Just as the Lamb who was slain now comes back and lives, so Jesus has risen from the dead. He is the living lamb who once was slain. Those of you who read the e this week, you notice that at the top of the thing was a picture, right, of our processional cross. And for those of you that have eagle eyesight, if you look in the very center of that cross, you will find a lamb with a little flag of victory and the little wounds coming out of it to show that it was the lamb that was slain that is victorious. And that is Jesus for us, that he died on the cross. He is that living lamb that was slain. And because Jesus himself is worthy, his works are worthy as well. His death, therefore, is worthy, worthy to reverse the curse And to purify all those who were contaminated by sin. His death alone is worthy to pay the price of the sins of the world. And his works are worthy. And his resurrection is worthy to end death forever. And since Jesus is the righteous son of God made man. All of his works are worthy. All of his words are worthy. And even the ones that don't seem important or interesting, they are still worthy. And the same thing spills out and applies to us as well. And that's because our main point today is that works don't make a person worthy, but the person makes the person and the works worthy. And that person for us is Christ. Him being present in our lives makes our lives worthy. And that's the good thing that's about Jesus, that it's all for you. This is all one big worthy gift for the sin of the world. You and I were not worthy in ourselves, but now we're declared worthy by the Lamb's word. That official word proclaims that his blood is on your head and that blood may cleanse and restore you, making you worthy only because of Jesus and his merits. You see, you are worthy where your trust is in Jesus, where his worthiness is transferred to you. Therefore, through faith in Jesus, your works are made worthy as well. Your nature, sinful as we understand it to be, is transcended. Now you live and move and are grounded in the forgiveness of sins and the blood of Christ. So your parenting is made worthy, even when there are bumps along the way. Your job is made worthy, spiritual even, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's even remotely anything spiritual, because the believer, his or herself, are sanctified. We are sanctified And then all our doings then become holy works. Whether we're farming, nursing, teaching, banking, janitoring, trash compacting, changing messy diapers, or being the fry guy at the local fast food restaurant. All of that is made worthy by faith in the Lamb of God. And all those acts are made into a high spiritual sacrifice by a kingdom of priests because of the faithfulness of the people doing it. By the forgiveness of sins and the new life of faith, we're all declared worthy. And so are our works as well. We've heard that word worthy a lot today. And it all started with worthy is the lamb who was slain. And that is what we rejoice in today is the worthiness of that lamb, the lamb of God. And may we then join in the countless number that sing that new song of salvation. We join our voices together to them and we join likewise in singing the lamb's praises as we gather here today. Now, we may not hear those other saints all through the world and in heaven, but they are joining our voices this day as we all sing our praise to the Lamb who is worthy. And one day, we will join that heavenly host and be able to sing with them the same song that they cried out to his. To him be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So may you and I know that our worthiness didn't come from us, but from the person of Christ who makes us worthy by his sacrifice and his resurrection. And so then, as we heard in the second reading from Revelation, you know, as we are extolling the praises and joys of God as we hear to him be praise and glory and honor and strength and might forever and ever. And the God's people said, Amen. Right? Let it be so. And may you and I rejoice in this worthy lamb whose resurrection means so much. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is is risen risen indeed. indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. (laughs)